Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Welcome back to the Z Code Podcast. Guys, today we have something very special for you. The next big thing in sports betting is here. It's called eSports. Never heard of it? Then you are missing out on a lot of profit. By the end of this year, it is estimated that 427 million people worldwide will be watching some form of eSports. That's more than the people watching the Stanley Cup or the Masters. Even big-name sports franchises and clubs have eSports teams under their umbrellas now. And some of the biggest names in sports ownership have jumped on the eSports bandwagon in some form. Stan Kroenke, Mark Cuban, Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, and many more sports bigwigs have invested in eSports. Global eSports gambling is worth nearly $100 billion. That's billion dollars. And it's only getting bigger. If you are living under a rock and still keep missing out on all the eSports fun, then you will love what we have for you today. Jake is speaking with Adam, a professional esports better with tons of knowledge and tips for you. So let's get started. Hey Adam, welcome to the Zico podcast. And I'm going to go ahead and ask you the first question, which is what exactly is esports and what the hell? Is it just a bunch of people playing video games or is it actually professional? Talk me through it. Sure, yeah. So, um, I guess contrary to popular belief, um, esports is uh, it's not just uh, watching a popular streamer uh, play a video game for a lot of views. It's uh, professional gaming, just like in sports, uh, where you have the sort of cream of the crop, the top, you know, point zero one percent of uh, gamers uh, who rise to the top and uh, have achieved such an high skill level that. Uh, people uh, actually pay them to uh, compete at the highest level. And uh, if if you've come from playing that game yourself, you can appreciate the talent that comes in and the the reaction time and the intelligence that comes from getting to that level, just like you would, uh, you know, a hundred mile serve in tennis or, you know, a beautiful cross from the, from the corner in football. Mm. Um, So esports is a lot more than just uh, watching uh, video gamers, it's uh, it's an appreciation for for the skill. So I believe, and I no, actually I don't believe. I know for a fact there's a bunch of different disciplines. I suppose we could call it that because esports is a discipline at this stage. Well, it's a compet competition, but um, there's a couple of different subsidiaries of esports. So you have. Counter Strike. You obviously have StarCraft. You have uh, Dota, League of Legends. So there's, these are basically different types of games. And I just want to find out which sort of games do you specialize in yourself? Yeah. Well, you've actually named the three that um, I, I bet in only, and uh, it's taken me, I guess, looking at four years to get to all three of those uh, to a level where they can be profitable uh, month to month, and uh, where I can feel comfortable sharing uh, my knowledge about those games from a better uh, perspective. Um, you know, I, I can't say that I'm a former professional gamer. I can't say that I would ever um, have the understanding of a, a pro or a, mm-hmm. an analyst. Uh, but just like most betters in most sports, you don't need to as long as you can say that you are sharp when it comes to 
um, betting a particular market. Um, but in terms of esports growth, I mean, it, it's just so big now. Uh, games like Hearthstone, League of Legends, um, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, uh, you know, even games like uh, uh, Overwatch, Fortnite. I mean, they're probably, if, if you have a, a relative or a friend who's sort of under the age of 30, they're probably well aware of these the popularity of these games. It's part, part of the culture now. Mm. And so you can start to bet on these other games. Now, finding an edge in those games, you know, I wouldn't... I wouldn't have the knowledge just like with sports. You can't say I'm a, you know, professional MLB tennis, uh, you know, football. I, you know, you can't do 12 sports and do them as well as you could if you specialize at certain points in the calendar and uh, esports is no different. So those, the three you named uh, CSGO, Dota and Starcraft are the ones that uh, I've taken the time to get good at and um, that I would be happy to share uh if i can so you said you're not a professional gamer but i suppose you went to a LAN party before <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah LAN, LAN parties were a bit different when uh i guess i would have been uh, considering myself a gamer um it was <laughs> usually hooking up uh well either bringing a gaming laptop over or it was bringing an xbox and small television over so we could do like a halo uh, thing uh, via uh, local area network, but uh, it was yeah, never. Yeah, yeah. It was never so. It, you know, the bring your own computer lands are sort of fading out of existence now. Thankfully, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> so, you do something like that. I'm gonna you? stop you just for a second because I'm sure the listeners won't understand what a LAN party is exactly, <laughs> and what we're talking about is those gaming events where you have to bring your own computer. But that was the past. Now the present is a bit different, but you used to have to bring your own computer, hook it up to the, as you said, hook it up uh, to the com to the network, the LAN network, and you would be competing against other people. Usually you would come with a team of five or four different guys, yeah. and you'd be competing as a different team. Um, but yeah, as you said, those uh, bring your own computer thing, ha thankfully they're fading away because you know people were taking advantage and some other people... They were bringing their own potato PC, and yeah, yeah it's it's a funny thing. I you famous... end up sleeping under the under the PC as well overnight, yeah. just well, so it doesn't get stolen. There's yeah, yeah, that's right. and there's famous photos that you know that we look back on, and it's you know a team of you know now like I was looking at one of um, the Virtus Pro with Taz and neo and like those guys and they're literally shoulder to shoulder sitting in like picnic uh chairs mm -hmm. and the mouse pad is like maybe six inches by six inches you can't even reach you know flick your whole arm across if you needed to do a 180 or something yeah, yeah. it's uh it's just funny to see you know now even uh gaming tools are a thing right so quality headphones and keyboards and mice and you know they're very expensive products because the the money is so big so people are willing to pay for for quality products like you would you know a nice pair of football boots or uh, a tennis racket that you can use for several years that sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, what sort of land parties did you attend back in the day 
Oh, no, just local stuff. Not, nothing like it, it was like um, CS 1.6 um, uh, in my hometown. It was, it was just a local thing. And just going over to friends' houses with the Xbox and just that sort of thing. Now you, now you can buy beers for the weekend at, the, you know, the O2 Arena in London. And, you know, with 10,000 people <laughs> kind of thing, it's, <laughs> it's not even comparable to, uh, say, land party compared to, you know, something with a $500,000 prize pool. <laughs> so how do you see esports has evolved since the days where the bring your own computer type of thing events were happening and the prize pool was about $2,000 and now we're talking about Dota um, doing, you know, over 30 million, I think yeah. it was last time. Yeah. So where did we progress over the past, I guess, decade, decade and a half? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because um, I know Pinnacle announced in 2010 that, that they, were, they were the first book to offer esports betting. That was when they took their first bet. I think it was 2010, I believe it was. And mm -hmm. in 2018, they reached their two billionth bet for esports. Wow. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the, the figure. It's probably, I'm probably, it's probably bigger than what I'm suggesting, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. And um, so it's hard to say when it it took a turn into popularity a lot of people like to say it was when streaming started to become really big so um you know Justin TV um could make any esports LAN televised uh to fans across the world and you know gamers love to be on their computers so if i'm not going to be able to go to you know New York to watch you know the whatever CS tournament is on well, I can tune in, and once money, once Twitch bought Justin TV, and it started to um, become a uh, a popular uh, part of the culture for gaming, uh, streaming that is, then money started to get involved like anything. So, and then you have you know YouTube announcing a gaming cha uh, gaming part of their enterprise, and so I would say the boom really began when um, it became like anything when it became a household um feature that you could have the professional games on on your computer uh at any time of day um that's when it really started to take off right and talking about the the days where it took off i guess we can talk a little bit about the teams that were sort of then popular back then and they're popular now still mm -hmm. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that have managed sort of to, to keep that momentum going for those yeah. years and um, it's pretty astonishing because the career of a single esports player I suppose is very short in comparison to athletic uh, physical sports footballers or tennis players the tennis players can, can go on to uh, in their late thirties, I suppose. But the yeah. esports player—it's not a very common sight to see someone. Um, there's a couple of players that come to mind, uh, like Neo, for example, or Taz, yeah. who are CS:GO players. But uh, yeah, talk me through it. Like, how? Why is it such a different thing from an actual physical sport? Uh, 
Sorry, Jake. So, um, why is esports different than a physical sport, or why with the teams? Uh, why does the age matter so much in in esports? That oh, would be the question. Okay. Um, well, I would say the the, the very basic um, sort of reaction time and um, it, like the, the something that they've looked at is um, um, eye uh, response times and. Uh, they started tracking um, CSGO pros and how the uh, how quickly their eyes will dart across the screen. That's something that changes with age. I mean, it's something we don't really think about. Uh, you know, it's very obvious with athletes that their sort of endurance and stamina level can't maintain uh, the same um, consistency in comparison to, you know, young 20-year-olds coming up. Well, in esports, you're vision is huge you re- and and sort mm. of the, the 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 rate at which the brain responds to stimuli um i guess that would probably be the most obvious um but i mean some of these guys that you you mentioned taz and neo they are still playing um but we've seen in the last year or so that they've been replaced <laughs> you know mm. they, they were they were not able to uphold the same standard that they could you know, maybe six years ago as well, because the the field of esports has gotten so competitive. There's just no room for, um, like like for instance, six years ago, the amount of top uh, twenty teams. You know, there was quite a differentiation and parity between maybe the top two and the the rest of the eight eighteen and the top twenty. Today, the top twenty could all be at, as far as their mechanical skills, reaction times. They're all the same, you know, you know, hundredth of a second within each other in the top 20. It, it more comes down to uh, communication and teamwork. And, um, you know, there's a, a famous uh, quote. It was one of the, the things I saw in a, a YouTube video by a streamer. He said, uh, an, an average team in Counter-Strike can beat a much more talented team uh, simply because they communicate better. And... We've seen that. I mean, this is one of the things that I usually can find value in. Is you have got big name players like your legends on Phase, where you've got an Olaf Meister, and this is going to sound like gibberish to anybody who's not familiar to esports, but um, where you've got some legends of the game who have to communicate in English, which is not their first language, mm. compared to a much more average team that may be all communicating in French or Polish or English, and because the um, the comms come in maybe a little bit slower in he- very hectic situations. It can cause them to lose rounds where your uh, interpersonal skills um, in relaying information uh, can mean light, uh, virtual life and death. <laughs> so um, it, I, I like to keep in mind that as good as individual skill um, can put teams ahead of others in the current um scene it still comes down to the best team on the server not the best uh sort of association of individuals mm. yes it's funny you mentioned the previous justin tv and twitch tv acquisition and um, i don't know if you remember owned tv which was the main the first website which began the whole streaming idea of mm-hmm. uh, esports and that was Basically, back in the days, I had my own 
team and we were doing pretty well. Um, it was up to a point where we, we would have maybe 2,000 people watching us play in League of Legends. And oh, okay. It was, we could say, making a bit of money back then. Obviously, you get a certain percentage from each time you run an advertisement during the stream. So it, I think it was about $2 or $3 per thousand impressions. And funny enough, we managed to accumulate up to $2,000, I think, uh, after um, two months. But sadly, on TV did go bankrupt at some stage. Oh, right. okay. And then Twitch TV became a monopoly. So then at that stage, they had the whole market to themselves. And esports was always trying to go mainstream in a sense by trying to be televised. But that was never the that was never the outcome, I suppose. There were a couple of events uh, back in the days that were televised. And there was a TV station in the US which had a bunch of different franchises and those franchises were playing against one another and I think the price pool was around five hundred thousand dollars all the players had their apartments paid for it was uh, wow. I don't remember exactly the name of the event cyber game something okay so, <laughs> so that, it, I mean that sounds from cyber game sounds like a legitimate one you know because it, it used to be big on cyber as opposed to electronic right so Cyber was a very popular name to be thrown around in early esports days. Oh yeah, for sure. And that was back in the day, obviously there were different versions of different games and that was Counter-Strike Source and he had the different one which was Counter-Strike 1.6 and that was sort of the division as well of the, the whole scene because Counter-Strike as a game it always had the same Objective. It was five versus five versus five, um, but the scene was divided by a game which was one point six and Counter Strike Source. Sadly, the reason for it was that people, some people, didn't like Counter Strike Source, and they didn't transition. So I think the per the main purpose of Counter Strike Go, which came out many years later, was to bring the whole scene together. So it could grow naturally, I suppose, and bring all the best players together as well. That was a massive conflict as far as I remember when that happened. Mm, yeah. Especially with the main website, which is the hltv.org. Um, they did not want to transition to Counter-Strike Go. And they were not happy with how the game looked at the time as well. But it has gone a long way since that happened. Yeah, and... I, again, you know, I, I can't because the betting aspect of it is so new, and that's when I came back to esports when I started betting on it. There's a sort of gap in my memory as to when it ballooned, and um, it, you probably know a lot more about that than I would. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to say, to be honest, because it, uh, the whole aspect of esports growing was thanks to it not going mainstream, which is absolutely ridiculous if you think about it, because esports has found its home at Twitch TV. And obviously there are now different companies, thankfully, to compete with Twitch TV, but 
either way, Twitch TV has been purchased by uh, Amazon. They saw it as a big opportunity for financial growth for the company. And yeah. Amazon has brought in Prime TV, uh, sorry, Prime, so people can subscribe, uh, so they don't have to watch the advertisements and so on. But either way, we're talking about video games being streamed online for free in the highest definition possible. Even if you have a potato PC, you still should be able to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's where esports, this, I suppose, found its home and just just grew thanks to Twitch TV. I think that's where. That's one of the main reasons because it's so easily available uh, for people. You don't have to have a TV. You don't have to have um, cable. You don't have to pay yeah. for anything. You can still watch it for free and you can enjoy it. And obviously, um, if you think about watching video games and people say, well, why the hell would I watch uh, someone play video games? I think that's just a ridiculous statement because um, it is enjoyable thanks to the commentators, and the commentators are not only energetic, you can think of uh, football matches when you're watching a Brazilian commentator going absolutely bonkers. <laughs> that, that would be the equivalent uh, in esports. The energy is in, insane, and I suppose foot, like the esports matches, they do take place in massive stadiums nowadays, something that I think started with League of Legends, their first final was taking place in a stadium, and the tickets sold out within ten minutes, as far as I remember. Yeah, yeah, that was um, yeah the 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 um, the World Championships. They sold out the Staples Center. That's it. Yeah, that's and I mean that it's not like it, that was a one-off thing. Since then, they've continued to sell out quickly every single year, and <laughs> and that's just one. I mean, League of Legends is um, in, in terms of. Um, I guess even even just betting volume, it goes Counter Strike, League of Legends, Dota, I believe, in that order. Um, but uh, yeah, League is definitely up there in, in the top two or three year round in viewership numbers, certainly. So we had that, and yeah, I think that, that it's just sort of snowballed since uh, the last ten years have been insane and. I suppose video games are so easily available as well because anyone can play them, anyone can get involved. Uh, most of these games are actually free and the way they, the developers make money from it is by selling in-game stuff. So we're talking about uh, some sort of characters or you can purchase uh, costumes for those characters, just ridiculous things, but they they managed to find a way to make mo huge money from that. And as I said, they're easily available for everyone. Anyone can play these games. Anyone can get involved and have fun. Um, and it's, I suppose, the margin of the professional margin is much smaller because there is a chance that you're going to end up playing accidentally uh, without even trying. You can play against someone professional from, you know, someone who gets paid a salary to do it. Uh, it's a lot easier than being able to play football with Ronaldo, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the beautiful aspect of esports, the easy access to anything. And obviously, there is also an aspect for 
less fortunate people, I suppose, people who are disabled. You know, you don't, you, you can just sit at home and play video games and you can benefit from it as well. And I think something that people don't really understand, there is a benefit from playing video games. Obviously, we're talking um, not playing video games 12 hours a day, five times a week, but there is a benefit, in my opinion. What do you think? I Yeah, you know, that's something... Um, so the way I grew up was video games were something that was not allowed in the house. Um, and... That sounds kind of funny, considering I said to play video games growing up. So uh, we, my parents were big on sports, and I, and that was mostly not because they expected any of uh, my brothers and I to go on to become athletes. It was because they wanted that to be part of our lifestyle. It was more about having you know academic discipline, athletic discipline, and a balance of of, of life. And video games, uh, which is something I think a lot of young adults and um, Parents can sort of understand that they've been viewed as you're just sitting on your butt uh, in front of a screen for, as you said, X amount of time. And mm. that is the dangerous sort of um, sad part of it. Uh, and you'd say, well, you know, is going and, you know, training for a marathon for, you know, six months straight and you've sort of cut off from many social um engagements and activities you know would that be similar no because of course you're still taking care of your body in in a, a better way than sitting on your butt but there's also there are positives and there are things that aren't looked at like a social aspect like a calming thing you know i mm. in, in recent times when i've had action um sports betting action that's in play i do find it just as calming to open up um you know, a Dota game or StarCraft where it's just solitary and uh, just sort of play that to get my mind off of whatever's going on as mm. as it would be going for a walk. And, you know, it's about finding that balance to do both, incorporate them into your life. So I, I, do, I do think there are benefits to, you know, I don't want to say, you know, there's a, bene a strict benefit to gaming that you can't get from doing other sort of mind calming exercises but i do think um video game addiction as we've now sort of heard in the mainstream gets a more exaggerated negative connotation than it actually deserves and i think oh yeah for sure um you know i i, I have a quite a big social network of people friends you know i live in the uk now and i can still connect with people you know my brother or friends back home over the internet to to keep in touch and it's less about the game and more about just having a relaxing time with a friend. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. I do believe that um, gaming, you know, it's here to stay. And I think there was there was a video either I saw when you know you guys did that Z Code video, um, or it was done by somebody else, where it just talks about gaming is here to stay, and because of that instead of sort of fighting it as, you know, shooting games are violent or... <laughs> well, and actually, on that note, um, the Olympic Committee, I don't know if you heard about this last year, the Olympic Committee is looking to incorporate esports in the future as an event. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, I, I was uh, looking into it. But obviously, a lot of um, 
athletic adults who like to have a beer are disagreeing with this ideology because how dare they incorporate something that isn't physical? Yeah. And how dare they do that? Well, well it's a funny thing. And, and then even within that, there was, um, oh, well, Counter-Strike can't be included because it's too violent, you know, which is what made me think of it. And um, so... You know, esports is mainstream now. It's here to stay. Betting on it is big money now. Uh, Pinnacle's director of trading, um, Mr. Bloom, I forget his first name, talked about it in a podcast last year that it's their fifth biggest priority at their book um, behind the mainstream sports, and it's it's ahead of NHL hockey. So, um, you know, it it. Um, it's something that, you know, if you're old school and not Mr. Old School from the site, but if you're old school and uh, sort of don't um, don't subscribe to, well, I don't want to get into it, that's fair enough. And I, I, I don't want people to say, you know, I need to learn esports because I'm going to have to bet it one day. But there are so many benefits to um, to getting involved now and trying to develop some systems on your own and um, look into how it's profitable rather than thinking the money isn't as green or I don't actually enjoy watching that. I can't tell you the amount of people who have interacted with me on Discord or Zcode or Twitter and said, I actually really enjoyed watching it. Maybe that's because I had action on it. And hmm. you'd be surprised how many people will start to take an interest in trying to learn the teams and the mechanics and finding an edge once they know that um, they 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 will enjoy watching it and uh, be more active with, with their betting. Mm. And the pull of those betting websites is constantly growing as well. I mean, there's, I remember when eSports was only available at different uh, specific range of bookmakers like uh, Pinnacle, for example. I think they were one of the first ones, but Nowadays, you can find esports at every single bookmaker, and they—I I, guess—they noticed yes. that this is something that they need to incorporate if they want to stay in the market. I said, well, no, not in the, not so much in the no, market, but I, I do agree with. I, I say in the market, I, I really do. I, you know, Jake, just sort of—I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add the same reason we're seeing, you know, Paris Saint Germain buy a Dota team and. You know, all of these NBA and NFL owners get involved with purchasing Overwatch um, franchises is because they understand the young generation is into this. And to brand their traditional sports teams with another up and coming um, sort of mainstream, uh, not fad, um, I, I, fad is the wrong word, but uh, mainstream um, sort of market. Um, they, they recognize that there's going to be value and they need to attach themselves and not get caught um, by, you know, esports organizations taking their viewers away in the future. <laughs> and uh, the NBA is unique in that because so much of their tra uh, traditional audience does come from the youngest generation coming up. You know, so whereas with NFL, they're always going to have 
they're, they're never going to have to be worried about it. But even the Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, they've just as associated with complexity gaming, which is one of the oldest North American. I, th I think the North American or the UK. I always forget. Um, which one? Complexity. Oh, they're American. Yeah. Okay, or they're Canadian. American. Yeah, I, I was pretty sure they were North American. Um, and there was just a rebranding uh, this past weekend of the Complexity logo and now features what looks to be a Dallas Cowboy star. Mm. Um, so th there is, if there's recognition by sort of the wealthiest uh, minds in the world that they need to not um, sort of fall behind on this, you can be sure that the books have also noticed that. And that's why every book is now basically offering esports. I mean, I, I am, and I've actually said to people because, because I've been approached by uh, two esports only books in the past year about bringing my action to them and promoting them on Twitter and stuff. Mm. And to both of them, I've said, well, I can actually, you know, 40, Esports is about 40%, 45% of my annual betting volume. There is no incentive for me to move to an esports only book if I can keep my, you know, same six or seven accounts topped up at these other ones where I've already got my tennis and my football and my baseball, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, we're starting to, we're starting to see esports books pop up a little bit slower. Uh, or sorry, maybe lose a bit of their market because the the main the big books, the Bet Three Six Fives, the Pinnacles, you know, the bookmakers, Betways, these these uh, books are recognizing. No, no, we're losing uh, our potential revenue uh, because we're not offering esports, and esports books are popping up um, because we're not offering these markets that they are. Now their books are showing live streams. You know, um, mm. both. Uh, I, I believe it's. Unibet and I mean Betway will show some ESL streams, um, but I think Unibet also does that. Um, but you can also watch it on Twitch. So why even bother with that? Exactly. But um, but yeah, I think you're I think you're exactly right. Every big book now has it, and it started with the cryptos and some of these Eastern European small books. But now you can go through your traditional books and get every market you need. So you mentioned different sports, and we're going to change the topic a little bit now because uh, you mentioned tennis, and you as an expert, you do multiple different sports, not only esports. So walk me through your systems now because I know you do tennis, but you also do other things. So just tell us what you do. <laughs> sure. So I like to look at even like the word systems as having multiple means. I, I have... Um, I have two esports right now that are model based. Um, ha had a piece of software that was actually NHL software, and had a friend adapt it uh, for CS:GO and StarCraft. And it's something that I have to do a lot of manual upkeep with, but it gives me score projections um, based on um, you know best of one, best of three. Um, so round, the number of rounds, um, the probability of win, that sort of thing. Um, and then I also have systems that I've developed, um, which are paper and pencil. Um, here's uh, So, for example, one system that I, I started sharing on Zcode, uh, to, to late 2017, was um, a CSGO uh, AB progression system. And 
you know, before I came to Z code progressions were something that I didn't even think of as a sports betting uh, technique or strategy it was something that was associated with chase betting and um, something negative. You know, you weren't supposed to increase your stake multiple times and continue betting on a similar outcome. Uh, since joining Z code, I've learned about these, you know, in MLB, which is very popular, mm-hmm. um, you know, goal of game progressions like uh, Brendan introduced. Um, you know, I, I've seen, you know, Jake yourself do uh, like an AB on set one, two in tennis. Similar ideas um, based on the number you're getting on a team um, and based on the maps and a huge amount of criteria. But um, the, the purpose behind it is exploiting the price of um, a team to take one of two, the first two maps in a best of three series because the percentage is that much higher that a team will just win one as opposed to two uh, or three in a best of five. So that was a system that I started posting. I, I never shared the filters. Um, I don't know if that that's sort of me being just sort of very private with it. Uh, putting it out in public is something, you know, I don't like to see when it doesn't do well. And my worry is it'll, people have a bad experience with it and sort of do it wrong. And, you know, so it's something that I have never really gone uh, public with, but, um, and Jake, I even noticed last year you shared um, a system about the uh, um, CSGO map um, win percentage differentiation and, these these are great ideas, and and that's how I want people to look at esports eventually. And this is why I've sort of put my name out there as someone who bets esports full time, because I think the more people that are involved in uh, our community betting it, the, the more clever. I mean, there are so many smart individuals on our site and uh, full time guys that. I know have a brain for developing profitable systems. That if they took a look at the soft lines that are offered in esports and the huge um, variety of prices you can get on the same team for the same match, you know, within days of each other. Um, mm. It's it's amazing. I mean, if my bankroll could support it and I could bet, you know, a thousand a game, I could probably arbitrage bet, you know, full time because that's the huge price differences you get. I mean, even today there was a Virtus Pro um, to beat OG 2-0, they were offered at 2.5 at Bet365, and they were between 2.1 and 2.2 at every other book. And, I mm. mean, we just don't see those types of huge – can you imagine a, a 2-0 um, uh, uh, in tennis uh, sets bet for, uh, from Bet365 at 2.5 to 2.1? You almost have to bet it just on principle, right? <laughs> And uh, so that's that's just one aspect of why esports can be profitable, and you can you can make systems just strictly around the uh, exploiting a soft line at one book in particular. Um, so, and I, and I know guys that they will they will take they will look at a pinnacle opening line, and they'll look at you know all of these other square books, um, you know maybe UK books or uh, US based books, and they'll say. Well, this is Pinnacle's line, and it's 30%, uh, whatever, 30 cents more fair, let's say. Mm. Um, why don't we just hammer this? I mean, 
that's a good way to get limited at these other books. Um, <laughs> but the principle is sound behind it, which is if Pinnacle is our sharp book or Bookmakers our sharp book, then why don't we try to um, use that as our standard and that will be our model for value. Um, and when we see a line open at another book um, or it goes up too far, we'll hit it there. And worst case scenario, we have a nice hedge later on. Um, but so as far as systems, yeah, the CSGO AB Pro is one that I love to bet. It's great on LAN, meaning uh, LAN tournaments are sort of your um, your your best quality uh, for results. Teams have full concentration because they're in person on a stage in front of an audience mm. as opposed to playing in an online uh, match from their home where they might be more distracted and might not mean as much. So I love to bet these um, progression bets at LAN where we know the, the, the form of the team attending that week and um, we know maybe their map pool and, um, you know, what we can expect from them. It's more relevant that week. Just like in tennis, each week you, you're never quite sure the tennis players that might be fully focused or fully... Um, rested coming in until you see the first couple of days you see how they're playing how they're serving um you know their energy level if they're you know the the pace at which they're playing at it, it's an indicator that week but next next week you, you might not get that same reliability so um that's that's just a good esports principle to keep in mind um another system that i i have um for dota for live betting there's a, a feature it's, uh, it's a bit more technical, but I'll just briefly touch on it as an idea for others. Um, so Dota is um, a free-to-play game, um, and if you open it up, there's a, a, a add-on to it called Dota Plus. And in the Dota Plus feature, if you open up a professional game, it'll give you a win probability based mm -hmm. on draft. And this... The, the win probability is probably it is probably the most precise meter I've ever seen in sports and esports for the likelihood of a team to to win, even from the first few minutes of maybe ten minutes in. It takes into consideration the draft of each team, so look at the heroes based on thousands, well, no, hundreds of thousands of mat past matches, the current meta. So the strength of those heroes within a current patch for the game. And then it'll look at, as the game progresses, how teams, if they're getting good farm, which is sort of economic um, reference or criteria, mm. or their kills, their, um, their um, positional um, map control. So as they take down opponent uh, towers and defenses, if they've taken, you know, strategic points of strategic importance it'll take this criteria into account and it'll give you a live reading throughout the entire match so one thing i've loved to do at majors and at the international which is the biggest dota tournament is open up the dota game it's five bucks a month to pay for the dota plus feature you can cancel at any time open it up for the month that the majors on or ti and as soon as the draft is done get the live probability of the, the teams, uh, to each team to win that map mm. and compare it to what I felt was the the, uh, the value beforehand. And as the match goes on, 
have opportunities to bet both sides at multiple books. And even if you can't, even if one team sort of runs away with it, you might be able to get them in the first five minutes at, uh, you know, after they lose the first blood, that's the first death in the game. Um, you might be able to get them at plus money. I did that twice today um, on, on two best of one matches, got the favorite that closed at 1.7 in the mm. first five minutes. So I was on them pregame at 1.7. Both of them went up to 2.0, 2.1 in the first five, 10 minutes of the game without actually really being behind. See, that's the thing is, you, you look at a public overreaction to what's happening in the game, like some early kills or one one hero that's really important is sort of struggling to get the farm. Mm. And you contrast it to what the Dota Plus objectively says is the probability. And that's how you can find value. I mean, I could have not opened it up and just said, that's value. I know that the team's not behind. I can hit the 2.0, 2.1. And that's what I did. But... So I don't have a name for this system. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't have any um, proper. I, I, I've written down it's in some sheets, sort of the proper way to approach it at each LAN, um, <clears throat> and and I have my pre-game um, lines. So what I I'm looking. So the price that I'm looking for. So if a 1.7 favorite, that's 2.0 in the first few few minutes is something that might be within the range that I'm looking for. Whereas with a, a big underdog, I might be looking for a four and a half or a five in that first few minutes, even though they're the same level behind. So I did this at TI last year for the first time. I did it from the start to the finish, and it was by far the most profitable aspect of my Dota betting. And it, you don't, you just don't want to let your pre-game, because before the game, you might not necessarily know the draft, you might not necessarily know know the precise form of teams, but as the game is happening live and all the books offer live odds and you can get the probability objectively, you can just make a killing. And uh, I still don't think a good number of people have caught on to that, the, the, the potential of Dota Plus. So um, it, it would be like, I, I guess it would be like having... Um, you know, if, if you're watching the NBA where points are constantly being scored and having a uh, an NBA, so, someone who made the NBA, mm -hmm. um, someone who made basketball and knows the exact, you know, run through a computer, the supercomputer that ran through this exact score scenario with sort of this skill def differentiation millions of times and could give you the most accurate probability that's what the dota plus computer feels like and it's five bucks a month <laughs> so it's 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 something that it, it i'm just trying to give you examples of ideas for making finding an edge in esports um and how you can make it profitable and these i you know i've got half a dozen ones but those are two that i just think um they might sound really complicated um, for someone who doesn't bet esports, but they're really not. And it just takes a bit of time, you know. As I said to you, Jake, I never bet esports prior to you know four and a half years ago. Um, it just wasn't something that I thought would be a future. <laughs> you know, I, it's not something that I considered um, there to be a, a real edge in. It, it just seemed, you know. So 
it just takes time um, to learn it yourself. Um, and But it's so much better than just trying to tell somebody else betting esports or even betting sports in general. I really believe, I, I've heard other experts on the podcast say, you know, it's that teach a man to fish expression. Mm. If you can make yourself profitable know that your own time limitations whether this is just a hobby for you it's still better than paying a tout or trying to wait for you know I've been watching people wait for adam s uh with his ex- excellent horse racing picks that he's been posting recently really knows his stuff but how how do you make that profitable for yourself you know do you just set your alarm clock for all of time and hope that adam will always be on z code to share his horse racing tips or do you try to look at what are some of the criteria that he is putting into his excellent picks or you know what what makes brendan's one goal a game progression profitable what sort of lines is he looking for you know um same with uh, omega you know i i i love betting hockey i've been betting hockey for a long time and a lot of the live um criteria that he looks for i realized i was intrinsically already doing these things without consciously saying okay here's what i'm looking for for an empty net goal or next team to score etc shootouts or whatever the the various systems he has so by trying to be more organized with your own betting you can make esports profitable i guess is my point just like you can make hockey betting profitable even though you might not know a single player who plays on one one hockey professional hockey team so um that's sort of where I, I believe esports can offer Z Code members some great opportunity. Thank you so much, Adam. I think on that bombshell, we are going to end our first recording. Um, I hope we can do it again. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've I've got so you know we sort of uh, we we talked it back in January. You, myself, Will, and a couple others yeah. were trying to trying to put it together. Um, so I'm glad we finally just got a few ideas down. I didn't have my actual notes and um, some of the details of my systems to go in more deta- um more in depth detail about. Mm. So I think it would be great if we did a second. Uh, maybe possibly even a third, maybe in another couple months or whatever, because. I have a lot to to dialogue, and uh, you know, I, I like to think of you as one of the forefathers of esports at Zcode. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would also like to you know chat with you about you know where you see um, your own CS:GO betting in the future, and you know, as someone who brought it to the site, um, you know how how you've seen it um, grow, and if anything, how we can stay ahead, I guess, of the game for uh, other Zcode members. For sure, we are going to schedule that. Thank you so much and have a nice evening, Adam. Take care. Thanks, Jake. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.